0: Good morning, church. Good morning. Now today we are doing baptisms. I don't know what's going on? No, 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 you guys didn't hear me. Today we're doing a bunch of baptisms. There we go. Okay, now okay, there we go. So this is going to set the tone for the rest of our morning. Uh, we have a special service today. It's a baptism service. So uh, a few things are a little bit different as uh, we go about our morning. We have changed things up a little bit in order to accommodate for the baptisms. And so uh, we're actually kind of splitting up the sermon. The songs are kind of split up. In fact, I want to encourage you as you think about or, and listen to and sing the songs, uh, these have been intentionally designed to fit within uh, some of the things we're going to be doing at the various points with the sermon, and, and so, uh, so pay attention to that. The other thing, too, is in order to make space uh, for the baptisms, uh, for those of you who like to give and to worship through giving, uh, if your normal habit is to put something in the basket when we pass week in and week out, uh, today we're doing it a little bit different. Uh, we're going to ask uh, that you would simply drop those uh, in the, uh, uh, the metal boxes near the doors uh, As you leave today. And so we wanted to make enough space during the service for all that we have. And so if you'd like to uh, worship through giving, you can use any of the methods you see on the screen. But if you're gonna use an envelope this morning, uh, please drop those in the metal boxes on your way out today. And know this that when you give, it not only honors God, but it also helps people. And it allows us to do things like baptism services. And more than that, it helps us to uh, lead people and to guide people, to teach, to introduce people to Jesus, and to help people understand what following Jesus means. And so today is a celebration, but it's also a time for us to reflect and to think about uh, how it is that God's moving in our lives. Uh, We're right in the middle of a parenting series. And I don't know about you, but I think parenting is, is hard. Yeah? Thank you. Okay, so yeah, and then the rest of us are lying to ourselves, right? Like parenting is so hard. And here's the deal. Uh, I keep hearing, so we're right in the middle. So so far I've heard during this series things like God uses messed up people to mess to, to parent messed up people. See, I messed up. God uses messed up people to parent messed up people. That's right. We've also uh, talked about how our role changes in parenting and even our, our role of pointing children The children in our lives, whether they're adult children, whether they're like Tyler children, whether they're teenage children, uh, whether they're uh, our brother or sister's children, they're our grandchildren, the kids in our lives, our role as the adults in the room is to point them towards Jesus. And that is really hard when we live in a culture that is screaming counter arguments to them and to me. I need help. I need help as a dad. My wife needs help as a mom. We need help. And we are so grateful for this church family. Desert Springs, Jesus is doing something really cool with this church family because we are a bunch of misfits. Uh, There is no reason for us to... Look around the room. Right? You don't like half the people in the room. Neither do I. Right? Like, there's no reason for us to be together except for Jesus. He binds together a bunch of different people, socioeconomic, racially, ethnically different people, together into a church family to encourage one another, to equip one another, and to lift one another up. And just for my wife and I, we are so thankful to this church family because we need that. Uh, we need to be equipped. We need to be encouraged. We need to be prayed for. Lots especially as it comes down to parenting. And one of the great blessings that this church has given to my family is uh, we have dedicated our, three of our four kids here. Um, in fact, our two oldest were baptized in the same spot I was baptized in. That's so cool. Uh, this church has built a legacy of blessing in my life. Uh, but today, did I say that we've got three out of four dedicated here? We're going to go four for four today. So I'm going to ask my family to come up. Pastor Rick, would you come on up? Come on, honey. So uh, uh, here's the deal. Um, Rick has dedicated my uh, three of my kids, my three oldest kids. Rick has been my pastor for uh, over 18 years, uh, and he served here as lead pastor for 30 years, and then transitioned out of that role uh, in 2015, and then I transitioned into that role. And um, so this is the fam. Hi. You look lovely. And we're going to dedicate this one. This is Juliana Marie. Okay, do your thing.
1: (laughs) Wow, he's still telling me what to do. (laughs) What else is new? Hey, it is awesome to be here. And for those of you that don't know, a dedication like this is where parents, and in this case, Caleb and Lori, are saying, you know, we need help. Uh, Juliana didn't come home from the hospital with a set of instructions on this is what you do in every circumstance. And so they wisely are saying we need help and Caleb, that's really good because as you've already said, dude, you're, you're messed up. Yep. Okay, so he needs a lot of help like all of us do. But uh, candidly, they're dedicating themselves to the Lord to live in such a way that Juliana is going to see Jesus in them as well as hear of Jesus from them. And this is already, we're seeing the fruit of that like Caleb mentioned. And uh, Michaela, Isaiah, do you realize that we did this with you years ago? You remember? You don't remember that, Isaiah. <laughs> but do you realize it? Yeah. And then what did you do just earlier this summer? Didn't you go get baptized? Because of your faith in Jesus. See, this is Caleb and Lori's faith, not Juliana's. We're praying that someday early in her life she'll come to faith. But we're praying for Caleb and Lori. and. And I just want to say, we are praying and have been praying for you guys. But you guys do an awesome job. Emily, I've been with you. You've been in our home. We've been in yours. We watch you with your kids. You set a great pace. You do it in a healthy way. You know, it's not weird, some religious deal. Your discipline is spot on. It's not over the top, but you also have them to a place where they're doing well. So you're bringing them up in the the direction of the Lord and in the discipline of the Lord. And you're doing a great job. But you know, it's not just a one-time deal. This has to be repeated over and over and over, and it takes great wisdom to do, and so that's what we're praying for them. But it's also a partnership. We're with them. They're saying, God, we need your help. But as Caleb's already said, we need the help of the congregation. And I want to say to the congregation, Emily and I, our kids grew up here. Our two boys. You guys did an awesome job supporting and not expecting too much out of them and not putting some burden on them that even Jesus would have a hard time living up to. That's the reason why a lot of pastor's kids go the opposite direction is because of unrealistic expectations and pressures. You guys have done well, but this is a different congregation than what Emily and I experienced. There's so many new people that are here. That's awesome. You guys need to also come alongside of them and pray for them and Don't expect Caleb and Lori to be at everything that's going down, because they can't do it and then minister to their family. You don't want them to lose their family in the process, do you? No, No, it's exactly right. So you care for them. You love them. You care for these kids just as they do, because they need the parents, but they also need significant others like in the body here. So I'm going to pray. Would you join me as we pray? And we want to dedicate little Juliana to the Lord today so that one day she will come to faith. Juliana, this prayer is for you, sweetheart. Father God, thank you so much. What a name you've chosen to be called by, Father. It has so many different terms and so many different facets of meaning. We thank you today for Caleb and Lori. Thank you for the great job that they've been doing with with rearing the three children that you've entrusted to them, and even as we talked about that Michaela and Isaiah have expressed their own personal faith in Jesus through baptism, and Father, I pray the same thing for Juliana, that Juliana Marie Campbell, we dedicate to you today, Father, asking you to guide her and direct her and that you would draw her to yourself and that she too might place her faith in Jesus early in life and spare her a time of walking away and at a distance from you. Father, we pray for this body that, that we will come alongside of them and in each one individual way that we will encourage them and pray for them and lift them up. And, Father, that that we, too, will lead by example, even as you want Caleb and Lori to. Father God, thank you for all of this. And thank you for what you're going to do in Juliana's life, in the Campbells' household, and in this church. For we pray this today in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that prayer, would you say amen? amen? Amen.
0: My third said she didn't wanna go in the water, so (laughs) we won't worry about that. Uh, Parenting is hard, and parenting in this moment is hard. Uh, I take seriously, and my wife and I take seriously the responsibility we have as the adults in the room to point the kids in the room towards Jesus. Even if we can't see what their path is, we know that Jesus can, and so we wanna point to him. And it's so difficult, because there are so many other voices speaking into the the kids in my life, there are so many other voices speaking into their life. There are uh, commercials, and YouTube videos, and friends at school, and frenemies at school. There are teachers and professors. There are thousands of other voices speaking into my kids' life. And as they continue to age, the amount of voices speaking into their life increases so I want to make sure that I'm helping to point them in the right direction. What about you? The kids in your life, right? Whether you're mom or dad, whether you're grandma or grandpa, whether you're aunt or uncle, maybe you're a close friend who's uh, raising up kids. And this idea that there are other voices, they're oftentimes speaking values that are at odds with what God desires for my kids. Uh, The ancients had this idea. They, they, They called the collective value systems that were at odds against God's design, they called them the kingdom of this world. They had this idea that there are, uh, there's the kingdom of this world, and that kingdom has val- a value system that works at odds with God's kingdom. So there's two kingdoms, the kingdom of this world the kingdom of God. And, and you might even be familiar with some of the value systems of the kingdom of this world. When it comes to money, the kingdom of this world says you can never get enough. That Your relationship with money is that of consumer and hoarder. And boy, you better get that money, sucker. The kingdom of this world is screaming at me and my kids, get more. How about you? You guys ever experienced that? Oh, you guys haven't? Thank you. Yes, you watch YouTube. Anybody else? You've been to the grocery store and seen the magazine rack? The kingdom of this world says your relationship to money is consumer and get more. You ever seen that? Okay. The the kingdom of this world, as it relates to sex, says things like this. Sex is about you, about your desires, about your pleasures. And those other people out there, they're just here to gratify your desires. And the kingdom of this world has produced what we now uh, call the objectification of the body. That my general tendency, according to the kingdom of this world, my tendency is when I look at other people, I'm first filtering through are they sexually attractive to me, right? The kingdom of this world says, when you think about sex, it's all about you. And of course, the kingdom of this world has begotten a culture of shame when it relates to our bodies. Have you ever seen that? Oh, talk to me now. Y'all acting like you're just in your house and a church. Come on, you're out there. Have you seen it? Have you seen the magazine rack at the grocery store? When it comes to money, the kingdom of this world says greed. When it comes to sex, the kingdom of this world says objectify. When it comes to power, the kingdom of this world says get as much as you can and leverage it for yourself, even if other people suffer. The kingdom of this world, this value system says when it relates to power, you leverage, you weasel, you manipulate, you get in the door, you get that foot in there, and then you use your power to elevate your own station, and if it's at the expense of other people, who cares? Who cares? Y'all ever experience that? You see, the kingdom of this world's value system is screaming at us and our kids. When it comes to the view of the self, we have this really bizarre moment in at least the culture I'm living in right now. In this culture, it says the self is the highest good at the expense of all others. And here's what's happened. We live in a world where we have the most freedom, the most free time. And we're the loneliest we've ever been. Because my view of myself is that it's all about me, not about us. And when it comes to relationships, the kingdom of this world says, it's always me first. Have you ever experienced that? The majority of our broken relationships started with a me first decision. You see, the values of the kingdom of this world are constantly being screamed at us. They're being yelled at us. They're, they're, they're everywhere. They're saturating our culture. And so as the adult in the room, not only do I desire to point my kids to the king, not the kingdom of this world, but to the kingdom of God, I need to point myself there as well. You see, the ancients, they had this understanding that the forces that are at play, that are elevating these Values that are contrary to God's design. That's the kingdom of this world. I'll prove it to you. This is Philippians. It's, uh, Philippians is a letter written by this dude named Paul. Paul first shows up in human history as a guy who kills, literally murders Christians. He hates the church. He hates that churches are growing. And he does everything within his power to kill Christians and to stop the church from growing. That's how Paul shows up on the scene. Paul felt like his power was threatened. And so he did everything in his power to maintain his power. But then Paul meets Jesus, and in a very real way, he he turns from his power mongering, he turns from living as if he's in the kingdom of this world, and he turns to God. And he begins to follow after Jesus. And it is this Paul who writes this letter called Philippians. It's a letter to a church. And he says this, For I have often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Now listen. Chickity, chickity, check. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. They are focused on earthly things, or they are, to put it another way, focused on the kingdom of this world. And it will only end in destruction. But then he goes on to say, For people who have turned from that kingdom and turned towards Jesus, they've made that shift, and it's called repentance. They've shifted from viewing themselves as the ultimate in the universe, pursuing the kingdom of this world, and they've shifted. They've repented, and they begin to follow Jesus as citizens of the kingdom of God. This is what Paul says. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly wait for a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. You see, what Paul's saying here is there's two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of this world, and it ends in despair and destruction. The kingdom of this world, our stomach is our God. You know what he means, right? That it's all about me and what I want right now in this moment. And if you don't give it to me, I'm going to use my power to make you. And what does that end in, friends? How many of you have seen this at play in your families, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in our nation? Have you seen the kingdom of this world at work? But Paul says, we are not of that kingdom. If we have turned from that and turned towards Jesus, that kingdom has no hold on us. We do not need to be part of this endless cycle of despair and destruction. Rather, we turn to Jesus and we are members or citizens of the kingdom of God. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something, and I want you to listen real close. You got me? You got me? Okay. Thank you. Everything that I've just described about the kingdom of this world, I see in my culture. And I want to raise citizens of the kingdom of God, not slaves to the American dream. What about you? Now, I don't mean life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's when I say the American dream, what I'm talking about is the debt crisis the pressure that we're putting on young people to look a certain way, the way that we talk about power and fear-mongering that's destroying people, that's what I'm talking about. When you see the kingdom of this world at play in our culture, I am committed to raising citizens of the kingdom of God, not slaves to the American dream. Now, let me ask you this question. What kingdom are you promoting for the children in your life? Whose king are you pointing to? For one kingdom will lead to despair and destruction, and one kingdom will lead to life and life abundant. Friends, for those of us that are still trying to figure out who Jesus is, I'm so glad you're here today. I want to encourage you, today, make a commitment to talking with someone about what it might look like to follow after Jesus. I did it, oh man, so many years ago, too many years ago. I'm getting old. The bags under my eyes are getting larger and larger. I also haven't slept in 10 years, which was when we had our first. I came to know the Lord because of this church, and it was through a conversation with somebody over the course of a long season of life that, that that happened. And then as a response to that, I was baptized. And for those of you that are followers of Jesus, maybe you've been following Jesus for 10 minutes, maybe you've been following Jesus for 10 years, if you have not yet been baptized, I want to encourage you, let today be the day. You don't have to sign up. We got a change of clothes for you. We got towels in the back, whether it's during a song, during a sermon. Here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. All you got to do is get up and go over and see Josh. Josh, where are you at? Woo! Woo! Josh's right over there. Josh's going to give you your next step. If you want to get baptized today, you can meet with one of our ministers. They're out in the garden here behind our property. And Josh is going to point the way for you. If you didn't bring a change of clothes, no worries. We got changes of clothes. If you're nervous, so am I. This is such a powerful moment to say yes to Jesus. I'm all in with you, Jesus. And for those of you that have been baptized, who are followers of Jesus, here's what I'm gonna encourage you to do in this next moment. There are so many distractions in this world, and the kingdom of this world is so loud. Do you know that? It's it's just in everything. And for many of us, we forget. Our vision shifts. We shift our vision. I'm gonna ask the band to come out and lead us in a song. And I'm going to ask, for those of you that are followers of Jesus, where is your vision today? As they lead us in this song, I want you to consider and have it be your prayer. God, are my eyes focused on you? Is my heart focused on you? And here's something I'm going to ask you to do. If you've been baptized, I want you to think back to that day. What commitments did you make? What direction did you want your life to go? I want you to reflect on these things and let this song be your prayer as we continue to worship and draw near to him. So if the kingdom of this world is so destructive, and listen, almost every television program or movie that we love watching is screaming that at us as well. So if it's so destructive, why do we keep choosing it? Why do we keep turning ourselves towards this value systems that end in our despair and destruction? I think one of the biggest reasons is death. We're afraid. We're afraid of missing out. We're afraid of having the good life or not having the good life. We're we're afraid of what might come tomorrow. One of the reasons why we justify the hoarding of possessions and money is because what happens if tomorrow, fill in the blank? And we ask ourselves this question. Actually, we hate asking ourselves this question when will I ever have? enough. And when it comes to sex, we're so afraid as a people of being alone because we've convinced ourselves that sexual partners are the things that give us dignity, worth, and value. When it comes to power, of course we don't think we should lord it over people and become power brokers and fear mongers, and yet I'm afraid of what could happen tomorrow. So I'm going to leverage and I'm going to position myself, why do we keep choosing the kingdom of this world if it ends up being so destructive? Because we're afraid. And the ancients understood this, they understood that the most powerful tool, the most powerful weapon that the kingdom of this world has is death. The most powerful tool that the kingdom of this world has at its disposal is death. And so how can we stand here in good conscience and say, turn to Jesus, turn from the kingdom of this world, and turn to the kingdom of God? How can we even say that? What power force in the universe could conquer over the greatest enemy that we face, namely death? You see, the value systems of the kingdom of this world are energized because of our fear of being powerless, of being abandoned, of being not secure, of death. And so here's here's what we find. There's this uh, person named John. John was just an average, blue-collar worker. And then John one day met Jesus and started following Jesus. John was an eyewitness to the things that Jesus did and said. And John records for us in a book called John. He tells us about this encounter that Jesus had with one of the most powerful people in their city. Some of you may be familiar with it. You usually engage in this reading around Good Friday or Easter. And it's this moment where Jesus has this encounter with a power broker named Pilate. Pilate was a governor for the Romans. The Roman Empire was massive. The Roman Empire was known for taking power, for promoting the kingdom of this world's view of sex for hoarding wealth and propagating greed. And so here you have Pilate, a uh, mirror or a representative of the kingdom of this world, standing next to Jesus who's in chains, the kingdom of God. And Pilate's so intrigued by Jesus because Jesus is not coming at him with violence. Uh, You know this, don't you? That every kingdom that operates according to this world's power has to use the tools of the kingdom of this world to keep its power. And I'll prove it to you. Look at every nation's defense budget. The way that we keep people safe is by killing other people, leveraging the one tool that the kingdom of this world has, namely what? Death. We're stuck Even if we can get peace and prosperity for some, it's always at the expense of who? The other. We're stuck. We're stuck clinging to the kingdom of this world, trying to leverage it to bring us peace, prosperity, and joy. But Jesus shows up, and Jesus says, I'm the king. (laughs) And he's standing before Pilate, who's dumbfounded because here he is in chains. Why hasn't Jesus picked up a sword and slayed his enemies? Because the way that Jesus brings about the kingdom of God is not by using the powerful weapons of the kingdom of this world. For that would just be the same song we've heard time and time again. You with me? This is what Jesus says to Pilate. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, listen to what he says, my servants would fight. He says, if my kingdom was of this world, and I wanted to be a king like all the other kings. i just kill all y'all. In fact, just a few moments before, one of Jesus' followers, Peter, pulled out a sword as Jesus was being arrested because he was ready to fight according to the values of the kingdom of this world. And Jesus said, no, we're not doing it that way. For my kingdom is not of this world. He goes on to say, but as it is, my kingdom ain't from here. It's a Texas translation. (laughs) You see, the good news is this, that you and I are not stuck in the endless cycle of the kingdom of this world. We don't need to trust in the promises of the kingdom of this world. Rather, we can trust in the promises of the kingdom of God, and here's why. Because the one tool that the kingdom of this world has at its disposal, death, has been conquered. Not by killing everybody, But the good news of Jesus Christ is this, that the kingdom of God is breaking into the world, and it's conquering over the kingdom of this world, and the way that it's conquered is not by slaying all of his enemies, but rather Jesus allowing us to slay him. That's why the cross is at the center of almost every church building, because it reminds us that the kingdom of this world was slain, was put to death. When Jesus was put to death and three days later rose from the grave, conquering over the kingdom of this world. And here's what baptism is. Baptism is a way for me to say, I have turned from the kingdom of this world. I have repented, turned from the kingdom of this world, turned to the kingdom of God, and I'm a citizen. I'm going to live as a citizen of the kingdom of God. I'm going to trust in Jesus, that he is who he says he is, that he rose from the grave on the third day. And when we are put under the water, it's a symbolic acting out of the death of Jesus. And as we're in the water, it's symbolic of, being, of Jesus being in the grave. But you'll notice, in every baptism I've ever witnessed, we don't leave people under the water. <laughs> because Jesus didn't stay dead. Jesus rose from the grave, and so we come out of the water, signifying that we are all in with Jesus. Friends, I want to encourage you, if you haven't decided which kingdom you're going to follow, don't let today pass this. Don't let this moment pass you by. I mean, It'll change your life. We're no longer enslaved to the false promises of the kingdom of this world. I don't have to look to greed. I don't have to look to pa- being a power broker. I don't have to fear monger. I don't have to abuse. I don't have to betray. I can live in grace and compassion and love, and I can do so knowing that death doesn't have the final say. What have I got to lose if I lay my life down for your benefit, if death has no sway over me? Friends, what's enslaved you? What is enslaving you now? Do you know the good news that Jesus conquers over that? That it's just a false promise of the kingdom of this world? Jesus gave himself over to death because he didn't want to use the tools of the kingdom of this world to destroy the kingdom of this world so because all that would do is propagate violence injustice and evil jesus allowed himself to die and he rose from the grave proving to you and to me that we do not have to be citizens of the kingdom of this world friends if you've made that decision and you haven't yet been baptized let today be the day josh is back there josh where you at Josh is right back here. If you want to get baptized during these next few songs, we've got about 20 more minutes of singing, praying, thinking. Here's what we're going to do. If you want to get baptized, just walk back there. Josh is going to point you to one of our ministers. They'd love the opportunity to meet with you, talk with you. Even if you're not sure but you've got some questions, just head on out there. And, friends, for those of you that have been baptized, who have put your trust in Jesus, who have followed him, friends, would you just embrace the truth today that the kingdom of this world has no power over you? This is God's kingdom, and the kingdom of God has broken through, and it is made known to the rest of this city through you. Friends, church family, we ask this question, how do we see the kingdom of God at work? It's supposed to be right here. It's supposed to be right here. So let's stand together and sing, trusting totally in Jesus.